All right, we are live. Everyone, welcome in to the Raheel Show podcast. Today, my guest is going to be Jim Carroll. He's a missing persons advocate and cold case homicide researcher. We'll talk to him in a second. First, got to thank our sponsors. Without them, we're not doing this podcast. Big thanks to McGrath Pest Control, uh, local business, and I've known him forever now. He comes to my house every quarter. Well, he sends somebody else now because he's so big, he doesn't come in anymore. Hawaii, my man comes in and sprays the house down, and we get the uh, yard treatment done. McGrath Pest Control, they are awesome. I have a daughter and a dog, so I only trust good products because they're going to be living in there. You don't want to have some sketchy company coming in, spraying down with stuff that, you know, could be harmful to everyone else but the bugs. Well, the bugs are going to die, but you don't want to get hurt with it. McGrath Pest Control, they are tremendous, guys. McGrathPestControl.com, M-C-G-R-A-T-H, PestControl.com, 5% off when you mention the Raheel Show podcast. Perfume Time Houston. How about this? One of our listeners stopped by, said hi to my dad because they were tired of paying retail prices for their perfumes and their colognes. How about watch battery replacement? He'll do that for you. Name brand watches. He'll take care of you. 8,000 Harwin, and just look for the Perfume Time uh, billboard. You'll walk in. You'll see him say hi to my dad, Hussein. My uncle's over there also, and they will take care of you. Mention the Raheel show, and they will give you the Raheel discount because I don't pay full price, and neither should you. That's Perfume Time Houston. You can also Google it for address, directions, and phone number. HTownDental.com. Two locations on the east side, one right here in the Galleria area. If you have dental work that needs to get done, you need a second opinion, you get on down there to H-Town Dental. And find their locations. Go say hi to my brother. He will take care of you. Guys, uh, if you need a second opinion, he doesn't mind doing that at all. In fact, if you mention the Raheel show, he'll give you a free cleaning and x-rays. All right? So you're in there. You get two things done at once. Make sure you go to htowndental.com and spread the word. They are they are doing it the right way. All right? They're all about the patient. They're not, they're not going to try to you – know, look, a lot of dentists will rip you off and they'll tell you you need this. when well, you really don't because they're just trying to make money off of you, not my brother and – uh, his partner, Bobby, they are awesome people. HTownDental.com. All right, this is where, I, Brandon, I think we're going to have to get some new intro. I need an intro song. You know, yeah. <laughs> Brandon Strange, who's, uh, we have a brand new uh, video set up on Facebook. So if you guys don't watch along with the show, you can go back and watch this episode. We have a green screen that is a beautiful uh, backdrop now. I love it. So, Jim, you are number two. We had this on, uh, on Monday with our other guest. I don't know if you might like him or not, but Sheriff Nails out in uh, Fort Bend County. I've talked to him on the phone. Yeah. So the reason Jim might know him, uh, I'll give a quick background on Jim. So uh, one of my Twitter followers and friends, John, uh, it's Lima Time, messages me and goes, I have an interesting guest for your podcast. And he had me at interesting, right? I love talking to interesting people. And he said, this guy, Jim, is uh, he's the bouncer. He's a door guy or bouncer. Do you want to go bouncer? Because you could mess up door, door guy. Yeah, he's a bouncer, too. Get a little bit closer to the door bar. guy. Door guy. Door guy. He's a door guy at a, at a bar that he visits, and he said this guy is very interesting. He's a missing persons advocate, and he's also researching uh, cold case homicides. On a, just you're just doing it in your free time. So I was like, okay, this is interesting. That go to your website, Jim Carroll's blog. That's C A R R O L L S blog dot Excuse me. Dot com. And uh, I started reading up on this, and holy smokes, our system is fucked. <laughs> Big time. <laughs> Big time. Big so time. Uh, so that's, uh, that's why I wanted to get Jim on and talk about everything you've been doing. And this is something that 
You're just doing on your own, right? Correct. I don't get paid. You don't get paid. So what what yeah. what brought you into this field? What, it, it, what well, years ago, I used to be with Texas EquiSearch, and I was responsible for finding three bodies. And uh, uh, recently, well, about four years ago, I had uh, found this woman passed out in this property I manage uh, next to some railroad tracks. Mm -hmm. uh, I called uh, police and the sergeant shows up and we start talking about this woman and getting her a place to stay and, and all this. She was homeless, pretty girl. And uh, so me and the sergeant started talking about the killing fields in League City. Everybody knows, most people know about the Killing Fields. What, what is the, I, I don't know. The Killing Fields is, is located off of Calder Road, 3,000 block of Calder Road, uh -huh. where four women were found dead. Uh, this is back in the 80s. And uh, one girl was Laura Miller, tech, Texas Equisearch Director, Tim Miller's daughter. daughter. Uh, Heidi Villarreal, uh, Jane and Janet Doe. Now, the inside scoop that I got, there's one guy responsible for Jane Doe, Clyde Hedrick uh, is the one supposed to be responsible for Jane Doe, uh, Laura, and Heidi. Janet Doe, in a letter admitted to me by a guy named Mark Stallings, killed Janet Doe, and I'll get to that in a minute. So I had this bright idea, uh, maybe if I write the main suspect in this case, which was Mark Stallings, maybe he might talk to me. Well, he wrote me about 14 letters. And we corresponded back and forth, kind of like friend to friend, and not really friend, just trying to get information. But you, and you never told him what you were doing, right? No. It was just no. like a... Well, no, I told, him, I told him that, you know, I had had a sordid past. Okay. And I've been where he's at. And he's doing a couple life sentences right now for unrelated crimes. No murders, just a couple of ag assaults. He tried to escape. Had a girl snuck a gun into him. While he's doing time, he beat up a couple guards while he held the guards hostage there in the Texas prison. And he ended up getting a whole bunch of time stacked on him. Anyway, uh, so I started writing him. At first, he was a little bit apprehensive. And then he started coming clean with uh, a lot of information. He used to work for Robert Abel, the owner of the property where these bodies were found. And <clears throat> now everything I say is documented, whether by recording or yeah, and you guys, letters. Everyone can go to the website, by the way. You uh, can Google search my look into the Texas killing fields, yeah. and mine's the only link there. You can read all this for yourself. Um, so Stallings uh, basically uh, admits uh, killing Janet Doe, uh, who later in another letter went by the nickname of Champagne. Um, I corresponded with him for quite a while, for about three years. And when did you first reach out? Was it 2014? 2014, okay. yes. And um, he laid out a tale of, uh, 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 he just laid, he laid out a story that absolutely flipped me out. Um, he claims in his letters that the guy, Robert Abel, who owned the property, would have these parties for guys in the oil and gas industry, the suits. Not the oil field workers, but the suits. And these girls were provided. Uh, most of these girls were convicted prostitutes or drug addicts or something like that. And that there was a cop, who I'm not going to name, 
there was a cop that would bring some of the girls for these parties. Stallings goes on to say in his letters that when they were done with some of the girls, they would hold them underwater in a swimming pool with their legs until the air bubbles stopped coming up. And then their bodies would be disposed. Stallings also says you want to know a good way to get rid of a body is you cut them open, you put them in one of the blue barrels, you fill it full of pure crude, which you had them oil pumps on the property. You fill the barrel full of pure crude and you bury in the ground about six feet. And he says you want to know where to find it, you look where the dead spots are and or where the dead grass is. Now, as this is going on, I shared this information with an FBI agent. I had a meeting with this FBI agent at Nassau Bay Police Station, along with a few Houston police sergeants. This agent's name was Richard Renison, Agent Richard Renison of the FBI. Now, I'm quiet in this whole meeting. They're doing their talking. Agent Renison is looking over these letters, and he's saying it's quite interesting, blah, blah, blah. And he says, Jim, you've been silent in this whole meeting. Is there anything you want to say? I says, yeah. I says, uh, I don't trust none of your asses. I said, Stallings is saying that there was a cop getting some of the girls. Nobody can explain how the evidence disappeared from the League City property room. Nobody can explain how the evidence disappeared from the Galveston County Medical Examiner's office. Something's not right. He goes, well, we're going to look over these letters, and we appreciate what you did, and blah, blah, blah. And I said, by the way, Agent Renison, where'd you work before you were an FBI agent? He goes, uh... League City Police Department. I said, I know. And I said, you worked with the officer that Stallings is saying that was getting some of the girls. You were his protege, right? Well, I know him. Yeah, he's, I worked with him. I said, well, now I know I can't trust your ass. So time, time goes by. And a local reporter here in Houston read the letters, and he got in touch with his FBI agent. FBI agent tells him, we think Stallings is just trying to make a name for himself in prison, uh, but if we get any more info, we'll call you. Don't call us. About how long ago was that? That was in 2015. 15, okay. 15, so late 15, yeah. So you start, the first correspondence is 2014. Mm -hmm. You exchange Stallings. Mark Stallings is giving you all this information. Mm -hmm. Here's what's been happening. In 2014, do you also, is this when the FBI meeting takes place? No, that or? took place late 2014, early 2015. Okay. And then at that time, the reporter finds out, um, and the reporter gets in touch with the FBI agent, and they just kind of shush him. Like, okay, get Correct. out of here. Yeah. When yeah. we find more information, we'll let you know. But that's yeah. more of a, okay, move a on. A brush off is yeah. what it was. So about a month after I talked to this, this reporter, talked to this FBI agent, I, uh, I call this FBI agent, and I recorded the calls, which in the state of Texas, it's illegal to record your phone calls. It's a one party, yeah. Correct. And this FBI agent, and I sent you the recording, mm -hmm. basically he uh, says, um, in, in all these conversations I had with him, uh, he knows Stallings killed the two girls in Fort Bend County and probably the fourth victim in the fields, but it basically boils down to resources and manpower and unless the family's kicking down the door, that's just the way it is. And, tell, and basically says, well, weren't two of these girls prostitutes? And I'm like, yeah, because I talked to the mother one. She had one conviction for prostitution, one conviction for possession of marijuana. And, and according to mom, April Eve's mom, it was a setup. Uh, a vice cop was a little anxious and arrested Benna and April. 
then a bone in April leaves at Houston Police Department, and that's how they ended up getting that case. Uh, Stallings goes on to say in another one of his letters about April and Benna, where he picked them up downtown, him and a guy named Bam Bam, where he, they picked them up downtown, and they uh, took them to Fort Bend County, and Stallings says he strangled April with the red ribbon she had in her hair and put her body in a closet of an abandoned trailer, and Benna, he dumped on the side of the road when he was done with them. Now, <clears throat> what got me looking at those cases was a, an article in the Houston Chronicle where they interviewed a former sheriff and former Texas Ranger named Milton Wright. I finally located him, and I recorded these calls. And Ranger Wright tells me, Jim, look, he goes, we got a DA in Fort Bend County that's more interested in prosecuting cops than he is criminals. He said, let me make a call, see what we can do. And a DA investigator called me. He says, I don't think the district attorney is going to go after this. He goes, but let me see what I can do. Well, I get a call back from Ranger Wright, who then tells me, Jim, I, had a, I talked to my buddy, and he says, and I'm just telling this because now this is coming from Milton Wright, and this is recorded. He goes, they had a big meeting about you and those letters in downtown Houston. And it involved Fort Bend, Harris, Galveston, DAs and sheriffs, detectives. And he says, what it sounded like to me is they were trying to find a way to hang a case on your ass to get you to shut down. Watch your back. Wow. Now, what's interesting to note is when I met with that reporter, we met at a Subway uh, sandwich shop at Harrisburg and Wayside. <clears throat> Werner sitting across the table from each other, and this cat come, this guy walks up, stands at our table, looks at us all crazy, and he's got an ID hanging around his neck, says Galveston County Sheriff's Office. He goes and he sits down at the table behind us, doesn't order food, nothing. The reporter goes, are you uncomfortable? I said, yeah, this is the stuff I'm talking about, man. So we go across the street to Walgreens, and there's another Galveston County detective with a polo shirt on, a gold badge, and a gun who ended up being, uh, God, what was his name? Uh, I'll remember his name in a minute, but he's a cold case detective in Galveston County that volunteers to work cold cases. He doesn't get paid for it, which I don't understand, but uh, which means he has access to any information and evidence that people want to call in on about, right? Yeah. Kind of interesting. Uh, Agent Renison goes on to say, uh, he didn't think he was following me, that uh, he has other cases that he works in that area, uh, but he knows that he's not following me. And then he, in the same conversation, the same FBI agent tells me, well, I haven't talked to him in a while, so how do you know? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. How the hell do you know? Um, another incident that happened, and, you know, you see movies about, people being paranoid. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I promise you that. I go by facts. And there was another incident. I hear what I thought was a news helicopter hovering because you can tell when they're circling or, you know, orbiting or hovering or blah, blah, blah. And so I go outside and there's a black helicopter with gold letters hovering about 300 feet above my apartment. 
And it's a small apartment complex. So I go and get this really nice camera. It's got an awesome zoom. And I'm zooming in in the back window. And there's a guy with a spotting scope with his hand around it looking down at me. And I wave at him, took some pictures of the tail number, and this helicopter takes off. So I go back in, go to the FAA website, and run the serial number. And it comes back to an aviation company that contracts out with the FBI. No biggie. So, so they're watching me. Then one day I come into my home computer, because I work at the apartments, and there's a DOS box open huh. on its own, and there's typing going on. And so I, I, I hit enter, 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 and I said, I hope you find what you're looking for. I'm going to send you a picture you won't forget. I was going to send them a picture of my private parts, but <laughs> I didn't have the time because they logged off, you know, you know whoever it was. But this, is, this has been going on now. Now, I've, I've got a new partner in crime, so to speak. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, Karen. Yeah, we'll talk about her in a yeah. second because th there's so much to talk about here. Oh, yeah. Before we do, Brandon, can you do me a favor? Can you, uh, can you do a mic test in, in, in your mics right here, these two right here? Just do a – man, I'm getting like a hollow – just a hollow sound. That's why. Mm -hmm. I don't know if something's wrong with my mic, so hopefully it's not. All right. Sorry. Uh, all right, so – Stallings is still in jail right now. Correct. Okay. Uh, he's confessed to killing these women. Mm -hmm. The official count is at four. Of four. His co four confessions. He explains how he's doing them. Three. Three. Sorry, sorry, three. three. Yeah. Um, you've presented this to the FBI. You've presented to everyone that can do something about it. They know about it. Right. And nothing's been done so far. Right. And it could be because they really are just they don't have time for this the guy's already serving uh how many years a couple life sentences a couple life sentences. he's eligible for parole in 2027 i believe okay so he's not i mean he's, he's done, done for it, right he's done but reading your blog the, the issue seems more like because of who the victims were mm -hmm. that no, no justice will be served because of their past right cops euphemismly call them misdemeanor murders and basically disposable because they don't have political influence they don't come from where a lot of money mm -hmm. uh, or anything like that these girls had one conviction for prostitution Janet doe who we know is now i know goes by the nickname of champagne uh was supposed to be a, a known prostitute but law enforcement if you don't have money in this town or in this state, or you don't have any influence in this state, sure. and you turn up missing, you ain't gonna get found unless you got people like me. And there's a lot of missing person advocates that are sincere to do this, you know. And law enforcement, some of them like it. I had two law enforcement agencies call me and ask me to help them with their cold cases, and I said, okay, how much are you gonna pay me? Well, we'd have to talk about that, and then they never called me back. Yeah. See, they want civilian. They want my help, but they want to be the hero. Which, I don't do this for money. I want to find the person, you know? I don't try to play detective, but in Stalling's case, that was, there, that was that a That was a calling for you where you just had to. You I had, had to. to. So have you, uh, you said you reached out to one or two's family members already? And April Lee's mom. And the four, she claims that the Fort Bend County DA called her and said, and I've told a couple good cops about this, and they just kind of raised their eyebrows and rolled their eyes. He says, the, 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 her mom, April's mom, says, well, the DA called and said, well, 
since Stalling's in prison for life, there's no need to go through a whole trial and put you through all that mess. He's never getting out, and we just don't want to do that. And basically, that's bullshit. They just don't want to, quote, waste taxpayers' dollars on a trial where it doesn't serve any purpose. Well, to me, it serves a purpose. It's justice for these girls. Sure. It's, you know, if it's your daughter or my, my, any of my family, I'd want justice. I don't care if the guy's doing 27 life sentences. I want him brought up in court and held accountable for that murder. You know what I mean? And that's what it's all about. That's you get the closure, too, as a The family. closure, yeah. yeah. Um, so that was, that's your biggest case that you've been a part of. Correct. And well, I've also written um, a guy by the name of Edward Harold Bell who wrote about the 11 that went to heaven. Now, according to the Chronicle, they know he's killed several girls in Galveston. Okay? Mm -hmm. He's doing a life sentence for a murder. I believe it was out of Pasadena. And he wrote me some very cryptic letters, and I believe he was responsible for this missing girl in Terlingua, Texas. And he mentions in the letter, uh, being very cryptic, that he was there in those years. And that one final year when a girl turned up missing, but he didn't talk anymore about it. He claims to be a relative of the original owners of Gulf Oil or something. I mean, he just goes off on a wild tangent. Then another guy I'd been writing by the name of Brandon Laverne, Brandon Laverne is doing time in Louisiana for the murders of two women there. And he's a suspect in a disappearance of a spring girl named Allie Lowitzer here in, in Spring, Texas. Now, Brandon Laverne talks about a, uh, there was a truck scene after Allie, when Allie disappeared. And he goes, in one of his letters, he goes, I'm going to give you a good tip. And, and, then you can do whatever you want with And he goes, the truck I bought was green and I sold it green. There's your tip. So, um, of course, I turned this information over to law enforcement, but they're not real enthusiastic. This is, a, what, a seven-year-old case now. Um, they've raised money for a reward fund, which is another thing i got to talk about. Yeah, talk about that real quickly. How do these – okay, so the reward funds, and you've – Try to claim a few after doing some investigation, well, and you were—I mean, they just. Oh yeah, like on up. like on Janet Doe. Yeah. Now I've got the poster. It's on the FBI website. It says, forty thousand dollar reward for the arrest and conviction of the person responsible for Janet Doe, or any of the other called a road victims. So when I called League City Police Department, they said that's not our reward. I don't know what you're talking about. So I called FBI, and they says, they're telling me they're trying to pass it off back to League City. Mm -hmm. Now here I got Stallings to admit in a letter and admit on, on a local news station what he did. But they don't want to honor it. So that's why I put on a blog, I says, be wary of these agencies posting rewards. They really don't want to pay it. And again, even if they don't pay me, I really don't give a shit, just as long as this guy gets convicted. I mean, it'd be nice to get printer ink, because printer ink's expensive when I write these guys, and stamps and all that. Yeah. But... I don't do this for money, and most of the people that I know don't, don't do it for money. So then what happens? Families will also create um, a fund for any missing information, rewards, or... Right. Okay. You're so gonna, what happens with that? You're going to have... Something I've noticed since, since I've been working in this is you have a lot of uh, PIs, private investigators, that are in this for the money. Money. And it, it, honestly, I don't think they really care. Um and these reward funds pop up out of nowhere, fundraisers, fundraisers. And when I confronted one missing person's 
family member, what exactly is this reward fund? This, this person's been missing for several years. There's already a $25,000 reward, and you're having another fundraiser to pay a PI that's not even a licensed PI who claims to be a PI. Uh, and then this person's mother got mad. The missing person's mother got mad. Why are you doing this to us? Why are you doing I just want to know where the money's going. And and a lot of PIs, and there are some missing persons advocates that have ulterior motives that are in it to try to make some money. Yeah. I have not made nothing on this, man. I, I don't ask for money. I, one time I asked if somebody wanted to donate to my uh, PayPal account so I can get printer ink. Because I don't make a lot of money. You know, I manage apartments and do some other science stuff. So, uh, But I had one person buy me printer ink, which was cool. You yeah. know what I mean? So. Man, that's... So what do you think this money... Is this money just going to these PIs, the families, keeping it themselves? Is there, Are they kind of both in on this? Where do you think it's going? I think they're both in on it. I think... Uh, I mean, I know the family's grieving. They got a missing person. But, you know, you see these reward people asking for money of a murder victim to bury the victim when the crime victim compensation fund will pay for the funeral. But for some strange reason, they insist on asking for money for a funeral that's already paid for by the Texas crime victim compensation fund. So what is this other money needed for? Uh, expenses for what? You know, the person's dead. Uh, bury the person it's paid for by the crime vic comp fund you know what, is there what? a limit in that fund There's, maybe you know i think they pay for cremations crema yeah that's so what they might is. maybe the family wants to do a little bit more or yeah but yeah i mean that I, mean, I, I think there's some abuse there though yeah there's going to be some I, i'm abuse sure there. there is yeah there is um and you could by the way everyone can read more about all of these um uh, all, all these findings and investigations on Jim's blog, Jim Carroll's blog.blogspot.com. That's going to be in my uh, description of this podcast episode also. So currently right now, the Mark Stallings case, is it just done? There's nothing. I mean, you've done <laughs> everything you could. No one's taking the next step. I called the uh, Fort Bend County District Attorney's Office and the detective uh, Witchard of Fort Bend County SO. And he tried to blow some smoke up my butt, telling me, uh, we know Stallings killed April and Ben. The cases are basically closed. But we're not charging him now because we don't want the sentences to run concurrent. He's eligible for parole in 2027, I think it is. And I says, hold on a minute. And I recorded this call, too. Yeah. I said, well, anybody knows it's got an IQ above their shoe size is if you're in prison for one charge, and they find a new case on you and they convict you for it, they're not going to run a sentence concurrent with that case. It's going to be a new case. It'll be consecutive. When you're done with this time, you start with this time. And they were trying to blow smoke up my butt telling me that's why they're not charging him just yet. And I'm like, okay, whatever you say, man, whatever yeah. you say. It's amazing. It's just amazing, man. I found out some interesting things. I mean, there are good cops that's, and there are bad yeah. cops. There's good investigations. But the DA ha is a very powerful person in the state of Texas. Yeah. They have what they call prosecutorial discretion, and they could have the smoking gun. And the DA says, I don't want to press charges. There's nothing the cops can do. Law enforcement can only get a case and present it to a DA, and it's up to the DA to do it. So all this well, basically boils down to the DA not prosecuting Stallings. Yeah. So that's what it has to do with. Is, does the corruption start or the lack? I don't know if. 
corruption is the right word, lack of motivation, playing the game that these guys are all part of. Does it start up top? Does it start with the cops? Is well, it just an ever never-ending cycle? What, what do you think just dealing with everyone so far? In, in Stalling's case, it started then uh, at the bottom, uh, the grunt work, the police work, a bad cop. And what's interesting to note is shortly after these letters were released and I presented them to the FBI at that meeting, the cop that Stallings mentions suddenly announces retirement from the League City Police Department. Oh, wow. Just, 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 just left after these letters were released because a cop is not inclined to testify in court if he's no longer a cop. He can plead the fifth. If he's still a law enforcement officer, he has to, he has to testify. He has to, he has to go on a stand and talk. So this That's cop just disappeared. Yeah. So in that case, it starts down low. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now with your recent findings. You take it to the DA's office. They're not doing anything. FBI's not doing anything. Fort Bend's not doing anything. Texas Rangers aren't doing anything. Texas Rangers aren't doing anything. It, it's it, how often do you think this happens? Oh, all the time. If you're broke, if you're not politically connected and you, and you don't have a lot of money, forget about your case getting solved. You can, I mean, I mean, this is every day. We see murders in Houston. You know, I live on the east side, and three years ago. There were two or three young Hispanic girls found dead in my neighborhood. And they got one, one, one of them got one mention on a local news station, and that was it. They still remain open cases. There was also, I got the attention of Quan LX, there was a, several cases of six or seven black females found with blunt force trauma to the head in various parts of East and Southeast Houston. And one of them or two of them got mentioned on the news, but the other ones didn't. And I asked Quanell because I talked to him periodically. I mean, he's kind of interesting person. Yeah. But uh, uh, I, I, you can say I'm an activist, but I don't charge people money for it like some other people do. Yeah. But uh, Quanell said he was going to look into it, and I don't know whatever happened to it. I didn't hear any arrests or or never even got mentioned on the news again. So is that where you step in and you'll start digging deeper? Big time. And try to find something? Big time. I'm working on some stuff right now where I got called on some anonymous tips, got some anonymous information, like, for example, a head, somebody's head in an abandoned jacuzzi up in Liberty County. Um, I've got two home phone lines and two cell phone numbers. I tell people to call me, they can call me anonymously if they got information of a body or a missing person. You can call me, tell me where it's at. Your information will not be released. And I've had to do that. People calling me with some information and I call law enforcement and tell them what's what. I've got information, especially now, there's, there's cases up in Liberty and Montgomery County it's called the Missing Texas 40, which has gone up to about 50 plus. Um, and there's a Facebook page about the missing Texas 40. These are about 56, 57 people missing in the last six or seven years that uh, just disappeared, just no trace, just disappeared off the planet. And they're predominantly, they were all white. And then there was rumors, well, more than rumors, that the people involved in that was uh, is the Aryan Brotherhood. It's an AB, it's a white supremacist group. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
couple missing person advocates that were working on a couple of the missing people up there were threatened by the AB, uh, intimidated by him. But I'm not intimidated. I'm, I'm not intimidated by law enforcement. I'm not intimidated by gangbang. I'm not intimidated by anything. I ain't afraid of anything on two legs. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm kind of crazy that way. You That's know what I mean? I, you know, when you're doing the right thing, it doesn't matter if you wear Kevlar or how many weapons you have in your house. Uh, God looks out for you. Your higher power looks out for you. If you're doing the right thing for all the right reasons, you ain't got to worry about so it. So it's Texas 40. Let's go back to that real quickly. That's a. These are all related because of their connection or they were at some point intimidated by the Aryan Brotherhood. Well, they're all was there, was there, is there a common theme with... Yeah, to the AB. The AB is the common theme. The AB is the common theme. And, and all the missing people, they... Not all of them, the majority of them. Majority of them. Uh, they had a family member or... They were living in, in with neighbors or they were good friends with people. Or they themselves were part of the Aryan Brotherhood. So you have started investigating this a little bit? I'm, I'm not trying to do too much on it because the Aryan Brotherhood are crazy. Yeah. I mean, they'll they'll do drive-by shooting on a police officer. They'll just they'll just kill me right out. Yeah. But I know a couple AB guys, and uh, they're, I'm straight with them. I tell them, look, this is what I'm working on, bro. You know what I mean? I'm not prejudiced. I got a color TV. Yeah. But I look at, uh, you know, you keep your friends closer and your enemies closer. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that's why I got a lot of gangbangers that I associate with, whether it's uh, Hispanic, black, or white gangs. And I associate with police, mm-hmm. good cops, even a couple of bad ones. And I try to stay on everybody's good side. I don't try to play sides. I don't pick sides. Yeah. All I want to do is find the bodies and get justice. That's it. So right now, how many cases are you working on? Mm-hmm. Uh, four. I can't name them. Yeah, you can't name them. But no. th- and these all just came in, or these are just a couple of cases. them were a couple years. Yeah. Uh, uh, one of them I backed off a little bit after another person that's investigating it got threatened by the AB. Mm. So, uh, yeah. So uh, there. So you you just you started this in 2014 with the Stallings case. Mm-hmm. Now three years later, you are fully entrenched in this. Um, you know the people. You know all the major players. It seems like mm-hmm. when a family member or a family loses somebody, they usually reach out to the cops. This is the and the cops will say, "Look, this is all we can find." Sorry, there's nothing more. They might go to a PI, a personal investigator. They'll look into it. Um, but there's a shady side of all of this with the money, with the PIs, with the missing persons cases, investigators. What have you come across in terms of what's happening with all these people that are out to make a profit, even though they don't fully admit it? They're out here running a business based on people missing. Yeah, well, it's it's discrimination it's obvious discrimination yeah. uh, um, if you're black or Hispanic or white and broke uh, don't count on a big response to try to find that person um, now I'm not saying all law enforcement's bad because there are dedicated officers that do this cold cases but I have discovered that police pick and choose the cases they decide to work on now are they going to work on a case of a, of a missing prostitute off a of Main Street? Or are they going to work on a case of a, of a runaway girl who ran away from her home in River Oaks? River, River Oaks. Oaks, yeah. Yeah, because the, the cops 
call them, like especially if they find a body of a of a of a prostitute or or, or anything like that, uh, misdemeanor murders. That's what they've told me. They call them, but there's no official misdemeanor murder charge. Sure, you know? it's just a it's same, just what they yeah. call it because they're considered minor murders in their eyes, and that's not acceptable. Um, something else I've been working on. I got State Senator Sylvia Garcia involved in this, and a lot of civil rights people are going to scream fits. Is next session they're going to do a bill that I gave them an idea about. Uh, the Harris County Medical Examiner's Office has a lot of, a lot of unidentified bodies. Um, there's a lot of them just in Texas alone, thousands. Thousands, right? Yeah. And I gave an idea to Senator Silver Garcia about when somebody renews their driver's license or gets a driver's license to either voluntarily or mandatory submit a DNA sample um, to see if that person in a, in, in a morgue is related to you. Okay. And and they thought that was a good idea. They they they're going to introduce it next session. It's too late this time. So wait, what's yeah. the benefits of that? If a missing person, let, let's say a family member goes missing, mm-hmm. um, is it? Well, yeah. J- well, give me the benefits well, of that because I'm I'm confused well, why that would help solve. Well, look, you've got people that sometimes disown family members. Okay. And lose touch with them. Never to, be heard, never to hear from them again. They think they've just fallen off the grid. They're living their life, and they don't want anything to do with them. Well, if we had mandatory or voluntary DNA submission during a driver's license, these people who lay unidentified in the morgues just across Texas already have DNA submitted into NAMUS, N-A-M-U-S. And say, say for example, God forbid, you have a missing family member, mm-hmm. and but you've lost touch with them. Yeah. And you go get your license renewed, and they get a hit on it. They get a hit on it through a DNA hit. This person has, hey, this person has passed away. And then a Morgan, Dallas County, yeah. or Fort Bend County, or Harris. So can you County. go identify? Go ID the, yeah. the the personal effects if they don't have the body. They probably won't have the body, but uh, that would be a way to clear up some of these thousands of cases yeah. of unidentified people. Also, what it could help on are some of these cold cases where. They've got DNA of the crook mm. and no DNA to match. Now, the Texas prison system automatically, as soon as the prisoner goes into TDCJ, their blood is drawn and their DNA is taken. Sure. Now, if the person that kills this person has never been arrested in Texas, they're not going to have their DNA. So this would be another good thing is getting a new driver's license, submitting your DNA, and may clear some cold cases as well okay so that's something that you've proposed um to senator garcia senator garcia and she said uh he is senator the the uh the uh uh, chief of staff said that they put it in for the the next next session okay yeah um so i was on the website and you announced just uh just a few days ago that you are now going to be working with a psychic medium Mm -hmm. karen uh is it janice 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 karen janice um tell me about that and how this partnership formed, and well, you, we, I mean, you're a guy of facts, right? Oh yeah, yeah. So I, I'm the weird... Virgo from hell, man. I, I, I'm, I'm like about detail oriented, you know, and I'm I'm about show me, yeah. you know, show me. I'm from Missouri type of guy. Well, I talked to her a couple times on 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 a couple cases, and 
Now she's had some bad publicity. Everybody gets bad publicity. Uh, I've had bad publicity. Publicity. Um, people want to discredit you if you're doing good, but Karen has got a gift, and she's out of uh, Vinton, Louisiana. And I'm trying to get her to move to Texas because there's a lot of cold cases here. They, they. Uh, Man, if, it, if there's cold cases here, I can't even imagine Louisiana. Oh, well, there's, that's a system that. Yeah, that's. I, I told her to get out of Louisiana because over there, I believe they got the best cops money could buy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, you got swamps you're dealing with over there. Yeah, right? yeah. Well, I mean, best ways to dispose of a body is throw them in with wild pigs. They eat the bones and everything. There'd yeah. never be a trace. Um, uh, one killer wrote me and told me, you take the body, you put it in a barrel, throw it out, and go take, take it out in the middle of a lake, shoot about three holes in the barrel, it's done. They'll never find that for 7,500 years till the barrel starts deteriorating. Wow. I mean, there's, there's a lot of, and then of course you got gators. But Karen, Karen is gifted. Um, um, with her gift and my uh, research capabilities, I'm going to say, uh, I think we could solve some cold cases here in Houston that uh, have been sitting cold a while. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get her to come down here and help me on a couple of them. Um, has she helped you on any yet? Uh, one of them has to do with this little Mexican girl, uh, or um, Honduran girl, they turned up missing in East Houston where the suspect took off back to uh, Honduras. They put a warrant out for, for murder. They know he killed her, and her body is somewhere between East Houston and Dickinson, Texas. Mm. And uh, Karen will get, Karen can, can, can and it trips me out, Karen can communicate with the dead. I mean, she, I've heard, I mean, law enforcement has used her. Okay. So the, the, yeah, she's, she's, she's good. She's easy on the eyes, too, which is good. Yeah. You know, but, uh, uh, I mean, not that I judge, you know. But, yeah, it makes I mean, it easier. makes it easier, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, um, I mean, she's had a lot of, there's, there's a lot of people that don't believe in psychics or mediums, and, and I had to think outside the box because um, when I was with EquiSearch, we'd have psychics come in on a, on a water recovery uh, where we know these two drowned kids were underwater. And a psychic came in saying, I see water. I'm like, really? Come on, man. Okay, thank you for the information. Appreciate your help. Bye. But Karen, uh, I call her, she's a fence jumper. She's a scrapper. I mean, yeah. she, she doesn't mind getting in dangerous situations. And she sent me pictures and bones, pictures of bones that she's found. And, and uh, she's currently working on a case out of uh, Paraland Alvin area. Uh, old man Urban Britnotcher, the old cowboy that beat up a burglar, broke into his house. It was all over the news. He's like 70-something years old, and this young punk breaks in, and he beat the tar out of him. The 70-year-old man beat the tar out of him while Urban turned up missing. And Karen, um, with her gift, um, pointed out a couple locations on Urban's property that need to be searched. Well, we got to wait till the weather... Um, Clears out, Clears out. yeah, so I could dry again. He's been missing a couple of years now. So this would be your first actual... Like, With her. If, if this works, then... Well, I mean, no, I, I was working on another one, a guy by the name of Joseph Gautier, missing out of uh, Port Arthur. Yeah. And uh, that was a cluster, you know what. That was uh, several law enforcement officers got fired over that case. 
terminated and Karen was involved uh, and the, and and I can't I can't talk too much about that case because there's there's a lot of accusations uh, of who was involved in that case, but um, Karen uh, came up and told the truth of what she was able to see, and the uh, wife of the victim mm -hmm. uh, suddenly turned tables on her and said, "Well, you're no good. You're this. You're that," because everything now points at the wife, and this is what Karen discovered. And even law enforcement is saying everything's pointing at the wife of this missing guy, Joseph Gautier. It's, and again, it's something that's beyond my understanding with the psychic medium. I don't know if it's true. I don't know if it, if it really is something that works. But when you have somebody that can come in and say that they saw something and not influence what's happening with the case, because there might be something that's already headed that way, but just that opinion that could sway how somebody's investigating something, mm -hmm. isn't that a slippery slope and a dangerous thing at times? Or well, a lot of times cops are, are their hands. Are, I mean, they've got nowhere to turn. Yeah. And and I mean, you you see these psychic detective TV shows and everything, and I always thought that was BS. Mm -hmm. But from what I've learned from Karen. Um, I, I've had to open my mind a little bit, even as old as I am. I'm almost 55 years old, so I'm, you know, I'm pretty set on my ways on on sure. facts and and everything and yeah, being yeah, a Virgo. You, you are. You said it first. You deal with facts. Facts. That's facts. Because that, facts don't lie, right? No, they well, don't. They could, but, well, you but know, I, yeah. everything's documented. Yeah. Everything's sure. You know, I stay away from conspiracies. Yeah. Because it's easy to get in conspiracies when you work in these cases. You know, it's. Family members accuse other family members and sure. cops and, and and all this. So you have to stay on track with the facts of the case. You can't go off on these different branches and then you get thrown off on the main subject. And so what I do is I stay on it, go by facts, talk to or write to people, the players. Yeah. You know, and then, and, then, and then put it together. Okay. You know, that's what I do. And I don't say anything on my blog that can't be proven or documented. Yeah, and that's what I like, by the way, and that's what I love about the blog. So... With the facts, and, and, and you've hit hit on this, but and I don't know, Karen, and, and maybe you could put us in touch. I would love to have her come on the show. I tried to get her down here, but it was too uh, too close. Too close. Yeah, yeah, it was too soon. You know yeah. what I mean? And, and I would love to be in touch with her and, and hear about her story because mm -hmm. that's fascinating. That somebody is a psychic medium, right? Yeah. And, and, and there's so many TV shows now, and there's this psychic medium in, uh, what is it, Brooklyn or whatever it is. Right. Yeah, like and, they're you, like and people psychic. are thinking of a psychic medium, a convenience store clerk. They, they just kind of put it in the back of their mind. Yeah. You know what I mean? But this has an impact now. You know, it Karen is now. Has, Karen has uh, the potential to help solve some uh, cold cases and working with you. So you said to yourself, facts, you, were, <coughs> you know, you have to kind of rethink things. Was there one moment or one exchange with Karen that just convinced you right away? I know you brought up a few cases, but what was that one moment to turn you from the facts guy to trusting something that is not tangible? Where I learned to trust Karen uh, was on the Joseph Gautier case. Okay. Um, and I didn't just get the information from her. I talked to uh, Tim Miller, the director of Texas EquiSearch, who was in charge of the original search. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, uh, 
I didn't tell Karen I was talking to Tim. I didn't tell Tim I was talking to Karen. And what Karen told me, Tim confirmed yeah. through a, I'm sorry. No, you Tim confirmed through a phone call. Okay. And he was actually there. He was there where the truck was found on the Rainbow Bridge over there in Port Arthur, uh, down to where Karen was telling me the clothing that he was supposedly wearing and what he was actually wearing. And I'm like, how the hell do you do this? You know, how crazy. do you know this, you know? And, and, and there, there are some other little snippets that, you know, like working on this Hispanic girl, this Honduran girl missing from southeast Houston. Who's, who's, we know she's dead. I mean, the, her car had blood in it. The trunk had blood yeah. in it. The guy took off. And it's just a matter of finding her body. And I'm trying to get her here for that for one. That one. Yeah. I mean, she's already tried, you know, from where she's at with all these other cases going on. Uh, to tell me where to look, and I just got to get her here. I want to get her here. I want her to move here yeah, to Houston. And start because there's a plenty of cold cases here and dead. I mean, bodies that need to be found in Houston. Yeah. yeah. Um, you also have a. Okay, before we move on from any of the missing persons cases, the cold case homicides, is there anything else that you want to hit on that I haven't hit on this yet? Um. A lot of people want to judge me because I had a, have a sordid past. Okay. I've done time. We're not going to discuss what. We want to go into details and all that crap. But because a lot of people want to judge. And the majority of what I did time for, I deserved. Okay. There's one or two in there that shouldn't even be there. And this came from the top telling mm -hmm. me it shouldn't even be there. But uh, this is how I get to know these killers. I, I played dominoes with them. I played chess with them. Um, talked to them and learned a lot from these guys. Man, if I were to become a serial killer, I'd be pretty good. Yeah, you know all the. I know. All, I know how to. I know. How, I can tell you how to dump a body and not not let it be found. You've told us three different ways there, on the show. There right? you go. Right. Yeah, but um, I mean, I would never do that. Yeah, I'm just saying, you have to get into their minds with these these guys when you write them. Yeah. And and what's interesting is these guys won't wrote, they won't write women. Now there's a lot of women advocates and private investigators who say, well, if I write him, maybe he'll tell me something. They hate women. Get a, get a grip. They kill women. Yeah. They're going to they're gonna tell you what you think you want to hear. They're going to try to get you to send them money. They're going to play Playboy with you, yeah. play Casanova, and they're just going to lead you on. So you just let me do this. Yeah. And, and what they'll do, in a, like in the case of Stallings and even these other guys, is they'll talk about their personal life. You can see them, their, their, their psyche changing, in the, even in the letters. Talk about their personal life. Talk about murders. Talk about the personal life, suspicion of who I am, what my intentions are, then talk about murders. I mean, that's how they flip. Yeah. You know what it's I mean? And if you go to the website, you can read the Stallings letters. There's a couple of them on there. It's crazy how he switches from, you know, we're just having fun, we're a bunch of guys, and he'll just get it off Quick. his conscious, like, right away, here's what happened. And then he goes back to, all right, well, I got to go now. Like, it's, it's fascinating to read, and you can find, and I'll link this in the description of the podcast also. Um, it, it's one of those things where I had no idea this was it, this was happening, right? Like this is it, it's fascinating to hear from you um, with these cases and w with what's happening. Let me ask you, even though I don't know if you want to talk about it or not, how many years did you serve? Total or yeah, total twelve years. Twelve years, and you were in a uh, which prison or where were you? Just several, because they several. transfer you. 
Can we? Can you talk about the experience inside prison? I don't want to know why oh, you were in, in there in because prison. I, oh, dude, it's what, what's it like? And it, what year? Everything is controlled. Everything. You, what years were you there? I got out in uh, 2006. 2006. Yeah. Now everything is controlled. Okay. Uh, you have no rights, even though they say you have rights. Uh, you're told when to shit, sleep, shower, shave, work. You're made to work. You're forced to work. Yeah, and you have to have a job. Inside. You have to yeah. work in there, or you get thrown in administrative segregation, which is called. What were you working in? What department? Uh, I had different. I worked in supply room. I was an officer's dining room cook. Okay. I was like one of the big trustees. You know, okay. they trusted me, and because uh, I made the food for the rank for the for the wardens and everything else when I was in there, but uh, uh, that's if you want to know what humankind is really like. What humans are really like, you need to do time. How so? Because that's when you see their animalistic behavior, how mammal, how they, how a man it really is, mm-hmm. um, by the homicide, by the murders, by the fighting, by kill or be killed, that kind of attitude that you have in there. Uh, you know what's kind of funny is everybody in there wears white, which is supposed to be a sign of purity. That's far from that. No, I bet it's no, it's far from that in there, but. If you don't have to get in on gangs, you don't have to ride with a clique or anything like that. You just go in, stand up, you know, don't don't bow down to anybody, and just do your time and and get out. You know, that's yeah. It just you know. It, so the whole thing, it, like we've all based on TV shows, Hollywood, uh, urban here, say all this stuff. Like as soon as you get in, you gotta find you gotta oh, find a clique, or no, you're gonna get jumped in. Not in Texas, you don't. Now no. some of these younger. Uh, the younger prison units, uh, where, these, where they call them uh, gladiators, you might. But I'm gonna say, if, if you're over 25, 30 years old, you ain't got to worry about you it. You don't have to worry. Just go in there and do your time and put up with, you know, the guards and medical personnel yeah. and, and, and all that. Just do your time, do what you're supposed to do, and get the hell out, you know, and, and stay out. Yeah. You know, quit going back. Did you ever get jumped or anything in prison? Yeah. You did? And, and I stabbed him. You stabbed him? Yeah. And threw him off a t- second floor tier. Oh shit! Hold on. Well, you have to. Yeah. Uh, wh- what happened? What happened? Tell, tell, what happened? Well, he, he come up to me, uh, up to my cell, and he slapped me, and he said, "We don't want no white boys on the cell block." So I waited till the next morning, where two uh, Mexican gangbangers uh, made me a shank, a knife, a huge knife, and he's walking along the tier up on the second floor, and I'm watching him. He walks behind me, then I come up this way, one, two, three, stick at him, and I push him off the tier. And you didn't get caught or anything? No, nobody said, no, no. Shit. He lived, amazingly, but he lived. Man. But you're supposed to. You, you, you don't protect, do that. You yeah. got to, it's kill or be killed. Yeah. You know, so. So how much do the guards play in on this? Oh, man, guards, dude, I'm going to tell you something. The, I mean, you got dedicated correctional officers in there, and I support good law enforcement. I mean, I've got my back the blue band yeah, I and see everything. It, yeah. I got the shirt and everything. Um, and by the way, the statute of limitations just run out on that crime so they can't convict me for it. Yeah, you're good. Anyway, um, it won't even murder, by the way. Um, uh, it's another prisoner, the, so there's yeah, no... It's not yeah, the story. guard, uh, the guards, um, a lot of the guards are corrupt. Yeah. Um, they're the ones, how do you think cell phones and drugs and cigarettes? That's what I was going to ask you, the runners. I mean, yeah. I've seen guards come in with uh, packs of cigarettes taped on them underneath their uniform shirt. And these guards are making big bucks doing that. I mean, they're getting cars and everything. Because one cigarette 
a regular Marlboro cigarette will go for five dollars. Just one cigarette, not a pack. No, one cigarette is five dollars. Maybe more now. But I mean, this it's a trip. Now I remember seeing. I mean, I remember I had an affair with a female nurse that was in there. And and a lady sergeant used to let us sneak away and go do our thing. And it was great. But she wanted to hook up after I got out. I'm like, oh, no, it's okay. You're you don't want any part of that. Yeah. You're the last person I want to see. <laughs> you're, you're, I don't want to be reminded of that place. But, oh, my but She was God. a pretty girl, too. Pretty girl. What's if, the if I'd have gotten caught, it would have been additional time to my sentence, and she sure. would have just got fired. Yeah. What? Yeah. If she's coming on to me, dude, if you're sitting there doing time and a woman comes on to you and you you're ain't had none, you're going to hit it. Yeah. But you're the one that gets another three years added to your sentence, and all she gets is fired. Give me a break. Who's getting punished here, man? Man. What was the food like in there? Sucks. But I was, the majority of my time I worked as an officer's dining room cook. Yeah. Which was mostly free world food. It wasn't that garbage food. Uh, and I was eating steaks, hamburgers. Wow. Guards were bringing me food, you know, from McDonald's. I gained 35 pounds in there. I wasn't, really? eat, I wasn't eating inmate food. I mean, yeah. I did for a while, which sucked. But uh, uh, I was eating, I was eating good. Man, so how was it like when you finally got out and your first day, first week, first month, first year? Oh, man, I'm going to tell you something. Parole officers have a tough job, okay? But you got, you've got some, uh, some corrupt parole officers, too, that, that, uh, that they don't need to be working for the state. Uh You know what I mean? Uh, they, uh, uh, allow certain things. They doctor your drug tests, uh. Um, they're supposed to do home visits and they don't show up, but they want you to say that they did. Wow. And they'll sign documents saying that they did. And you got to sign that document, even though they didn't, you know, and if you don't sign, you don't sign it, they'll find a way to violate you and send your ass back to prison. Yeah. Yeah. So what was it like adjusting back to the real world? It was weird because the commissary in there, you can buy, you know, ice cream and everything in there. It's kind of like, you're out, you're in the ultimate commissary. You go mm-hmm. to Kroger's and you're like, yes. You know, I mean. You, you were know, also in there choice. at a time when there's no smartphones because you got out in 2006, you said. Um, no phones. No phones. You so can communicate. Was, you can make a phone call every yeah. year. You fill out a request. If you get no write-ups or cases, you can make one phone call. You get a visit every weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, if you got money, you go to the store. You have to pay for your own medical care. What? You have to pay for your own, which is, no, 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 no. If, if say I go to the doctor, uh, and get medication, the medication then was $3 for a month supply. If somebody sends you $10 for your commissary, they're going to take $3 out. It's like $8 to see the doctor. They're going to take that $8 out too. Really? Which I think they should do because a lot of the guys abuse that. Uh, you know, it costs $200 per day per inmate. To house, clothe, and feed an inmate, the taxpayers pay yeah. two hundred dollars a day, and there's over one hundred seventy thousand inmates in Texas prisons. Man. So, and then I had to go do a two-year stint in Colorado, which was like night and day because their prisons are, I mean, like, I mean, they pay you to work. You grow your hair as long as you want. Not like here, you got. Why did you have to go to Colorado? Real quick? It was a theft of a shotgun. Okay, but uh, <laughs> so that was before, after. That was that was. It kind of in the middle. In the middle. They ran the sentence concurrent. Okay. Is what they did. Okay. Um, 
But what's absolutely floored me is you could still smoke there. Back then you did. You could uh, uh, rent Nintendo games for your video game system and your cell on your own TV with your own coffee pot. You have a Coke machine in the day room. They had a regulation softball, football, and base, uh, soccer field on the property. You had an inside game room with pool tables and video games. And the captain called me out. He goes, he goes, you don't have to call us boss here. We know you just came from Texas, and we know how they are down there with y'all. He goes, but you know, he says, you're going to notice a difference here. And I said, Captain, I says, we need to have like a prisoner exchange. Let our guys come up here and have your guys go down there show what prison's really like. Man. It's like night and day, man. It's, That's crazy. When I got out, when I got, I, I was like, I, I, when I got there, I'm like, you know, where's the prison? It sounds know? like a good time. It, yeah, it is. I mean, it is. They got beautiful female guards you can hook up with. And they had, uh, on, on the unit that I was on, it was, they had like a big phone center. Uh-huh. They paid you to be toll-free directory assistance. When you called 800 directory assistance, it's inmates that were answering the phones. Looking up the number on a computer. Interesting. That's what they got paid to do. Um, you have a, a history with television. You've been interviewed uh-huh. a few times on uh, Fox News. Nancy oh, yeah. Grace, I believe, got in touch with you. Nancy, Dateline. Nancy Grace, 48 Hours, Discovery, Discovery ID, British, Japanese shows. Um, a lot of them had to do with Killing Fields. A lot of them had to do with a woman that I dated. Okay, who's the woman that got you uh, this famous here? Anna Trujillo, also known as Anna Fox, the stiletto killer. Oh, shit. Yeah, the one who (laughs) killed her boyfriend with the shoe. Yeah. Yeah, I knew her uh, about a year and a half, two years before she killed the professor. And I knew, I met the professor. I mean, I used to manage the property she lived on. And and she would come downstairs and we'd hang out in, in a bathtub and other stuff, you know. Sure. And she looked good back then. But when she moved... Uh, from what I understand, from the guy she moved in with, this guy named Frank, she started smoking Kush and and drinking a lot, and it just it just aged her like twenty years in in, in a year. I mean, when I knew her, she was hot. Yeah. I mean, she had a flat tummy, and just everything was in order. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I'm in the book called Possessed. Okay. My picture's in there. It's called Possessed. It's written by Catherine Casey. And uh, uh, prior to dating her. In the, in the late 90s, I dated this woman that was fantastic. She was intellectual. She was intelligent. She was uh, 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 a socialite and like Anna and uh, in Friendswood. And one of her friends told me, you need to find out how she broke up with her last boyfriend. I said, why? She told me she broke up. She didn't go into details. She goes, you need to know. Oh, so I called her up and I said, but her name was Peggy Jean Keener. And I says, PJ, I says, how'd you break up with your last boyfriend? She goes, who? She starts crying on the phone. She says, who told you? I said, nobody told me. I just want to know. Can you come over? I said, sure. So I went over there. She made some coffee, and we're drinking coffee. She goes, I got to be honest with you. I'll tell you. I'm out on bail for his murder. I went, what? She goes, yeah, I shot him in the head and the chest and in the balls, and I buried him under a compost pile. I'm out on bail for, her mur- for his murder. Oh, my God. <laughs> and I went, oh, man, why me? Why me? <laughs> After that, I said, Peggy, maybe it's best we just be friends. After Shit, that. you're a brave man. Well, that's a bad time to break up with her. They, uh, yeah, I would be like, man, baby, we're getting married. <laughs> no, I'm no, not, I'm not no. about to get she shot was, in the balls. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, what's interesting to note is her <laughs> friend, shit, her, Jim. her, I know, her friend told the DA 
uh, the DA, a lady DA on the case that she's dating me and she's talking about the case. So the DA sends an investigator to come pick me up. We go to the DA's office and the DA investigator and they're saying, did Peggy Jean tell you anything about the case? Did oh, she tell no. you? And I says, yes. She goes, will you tell me? I says, no, ma'am. She goes, you're not going to tell me? I says, no, because she asked me not to and she told me this in confidence. We were dating. She goes, you're really not going to tell me. I says, no, ma'am, I'm not. She goes, you know that if we call you to testify and a judge holds you in contempt of court, we're going to hold you for six months. I said, I need a vacation. So she told her investigator to leave the room, and she gets real close. She was pretty back then. She ended up being a judge and everything. But she gets real close to me like this, and she goes, you're really not going to tell me, are you? I said, no, ma'am. She goes, I wish I had friends like you. Wow. Uh, Peggy Jean ended up getting 25 years. Anna ended up getting life. Yeah, Anna got. But and you know, the thing about Anna, Anna, like the story's everywhere now. Oh you know, yeah, yeah. They, they're going to make a movie. They're supposed to be screenplay. But the thing about Anna, and the reason I was getting all these interviews and people were knocking on my door, I saw on the night before, it was on Fox News, I think it was one of these news stations, mm -hmm. saying that a woman has been arrested in, in near downtown for killing her boyfriend with the shoe. No names have been released. Blah blah blah. So I called the news stations and I says, "Tell me if that's Anna." And he says, well, why? I said, because I managed the property she lived on. And we're sitting on a balcony of, of the property downtown. And I picked up one of Anna's shoes, and it was like, looked like an ice pick heel. I mean, this was like, like an ice pick. Yeah. And I asked Anna, I says, what the hell do you need this for? She goes, if anybody ever fucks with me, they're going to get this in the eye. I went, okay. And I remember her telling me that. Well, when the news said that, I called all the news station. I said, call me. Let me know if her name's Anna Fox or Anna Trujillo. Sure enough, next morning, it was all over the news, and all the news stations are knocking on my door. And I'm like, oh, dude, that was Anna. Shit. Well, the, <laughs> D, the, the DA calls me and says, we may have you testify as a rebuttal witness, but we might not because what you say could actually help her case. I says, wait a second. As a DA, aren't you supposed to do that? present evidence that would be favorable for the defense. Well, we're not going to talk about that now. So anyway, Anna ended up getting life. I didn't have to testify. I tried to write her a couple times. She never wrote back probably because I said some things on the news about her and TV about her, to, you know, the kind of person she was. She was awesome when I knew her, but she started good, you know, getting downhill because so, of uh, drugs and drinking. It's a wild story, man. Hey, man, I've been around the block, partner. Shit. I've been around the block. But get that book possessed because yeah. it's really good. Okay. It's really good. It's written out. by uh, Catherine Casey. Um, have you listened to the Serial podcast yet on NPR? No. I think you'll like it. No. It's uh, S-E-R-I-A-L. It's about uh, this reporter, a radio reporter at NPR. He gets a tip from a small, uh, not excuse me, S-Town, not Serial. It's S-Town. It's for Shit Town. Shit Town, okay. Shit Town, Alabama. That's what, so this guy calls in and he's like, hey, there's been a murder. And the guy that that the guy that did it is going around bragging about how he didn't get, uh, you know, he didn't get committed for the crime because he was part of a rich family. Mm. Just listen to it. it. There's a wild twist in it. I think you'd like it a lot. Well, A and E's coming out with a new cold case show, yeah. And a producer, Greg Harvey, reached out to me and asked me if I wouldn't mind. He was he was interested in my stories mm -hmm. that I'm like Mark Stallings and all that, but he says he we talk a lot and he called me the last time we talked for an hour and he goes what we're interested in all that being said what we're interested in is you i said what do you mean he goes and what you do and how you get this information and you you, you don't get paid but you still do it mm -hmm. 
I said, well, it's just the right thing to do because that's what's going to be on my tombstone. It's just the right thing to do. It is. I mean, it is the right And thing. he goes, you are what we're interested in and how you're able to research well, these you. cases. So if I end up part of a series yeah. on A&E, that'd be cool. Yeah. So S-Town Podcast. And uh, I think you'll like... Can you write that down for me? I will. And Serial Podcast, it's about, um, it's about a guy that's in jail that he thinks he was wrongfully committed for a murder. And they present all the facts, and then you kind of make your own decision. I think you'll like that one, too, actually, now that I'm thinking about it. It's season... Well, there's two seasons of it. Uh, I'll write this all down for you and okay. give it to you. And, uh, man, uh, great if talking any, to you. If anybody is, wants any more information, they can email me. Okay. What's your email? My email is all spelled out, researchtexas, R-E-S-E-A-R-C-H-T-E-X-A-S, researchtexas at comcast.net. You want information. Uh, um, if you got any information about any cold cases or, mm-hmm. or if you got a missing family member that you're trying to find, me and Karen will work on it, yeah. you know, if it looks like something that can be worked on. And the phone number is 713-481-3184. Your Google, Google voice number, number yeah. so you can uh, definitely get in touch. And the website is jimcarrollsblog.blogspot.com, and uh, I'll link to that here in the podcast. Jim, fascinating talk, man. Awesome, man. Thank you so much. It was a awesome. pleasure. Thank you. Let's try to get Karen on this because wanna, I'm fascinated. I want to get her down here to talk to you. Yeah. It's a fascinating topic, man. It's something that is being used now, so we got to learn more about it. Uh, thank you, everyone. Brandon Strange, thank you so thank much you. for uh, producing the video side of this. Um, man, it's awesome. It looks great. And uh, if you want to watch it, you can go to facebook.com slash Granato and Raheel, and you will see it on there. It looks beautiful. So if you're just an audio portion of it, uh, check out the video side of it, too. And make sure you subscribe and rate to the podcast on iTunes. Guys, that helps a lot, so please do it. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you next time on the Reheal Show podcast. Awesome. Thank you, brother. You Pleasure talking Pretty cool shit, huh? Fuck, man. You're a fascinating <laughs> dude, Jim. You know, I started a book. Did you? I started a book. talks about 